Pastor Paul here on a bright, clear, beautiful Thursday morning. It is Thursday, March 25th, 2022, and we are so glad that you're joining us wherever you happen to be. So if you're new to this, um, we um, just take 15 minutes Monday through Friday to go through a portion of God's Word and um, ask what it means, how does it apply to us, and we have been walking through the book of Exodus, which seemed like a good thing to do this season on the heels of um, us preaching through Genesis um, the last couple of years at Four Oaks. And we are up to the point in Exodus 23 when God is giving the law to the people of Israel and the he's giving them his instructions. And then now we're, we're to this point where God is committing himself to do certain things for the Israelites um, if they obey him and follow him and the Israelites are making commitments to God that they will indeed be faithful and to walk with him and to follow him and worship him and we're going to see a passage here which gives us God's vision for his people in the promised land and we're going to talk about how does this relate relate to us right now in 21st century North America? So here we go, Exodus 23, we're gonna read verses 20 through 33, so let's do it. This is God speaking. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him. For he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them, nor do as they do but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw you into confusion all the people throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you, until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So, God is giving a vision to the people of God, his people, the people that he's redeemed, claimed, brought out of Egypt. He's taking them to the promised land and he's given them a vision of 
what it will mean for them to follow him, what he will do for them, how he will establish them, the different ways that he will bless them. Now, one of the things that you see in this passage um, is God's reference to an angel before I send an angel before you. And just as a reminder, and we didn't we didn't really talk about this before, but but this is not the first time in Exodus Exodus we've seen this reference from um, that God makes to an angel. But it's pretty obvious as you read through the text that this angel or messenger is in fact God Himself, is Yahweh. So when we think about the pillar of fire that leads the people through the night, or the or the cloud that leads the people in the day, this is a this is a this is a a manifestation of God in His presence. But nonetheless, it is the presence of God Himself, and so this is just a, kind of a third hand way of God referencing the fact that He is the angel. He is the messenger. He is the word. He is the one that's present among his people. And he's giving them this vision that he will go with them. He will be with the people of Israel as they make this treacherous journey. Now, as we read this passage, um, if we read it in the wrong way, it, it can make it seem like that, that Israel is about to experience heaven itself, right? that there's not going to be any more sin or any more death or any more uh, loss of life. There's going to be absolute nirvana, utopia. And, and that's not um, what God is promising here. He's actually just using metaphors, okay, um, to give a vision of spiritual blessing that he is going to bring among the people. Okay, so these are not like absolute promises. They're metaphors to give a, a vision for them of, of what it means and what it will look like to follow God. However, verse 22 is pivotal, okay? Very crucial. Look at verse 22. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Um, so there is a condition on this, right? Um, there, there's, there's conditional promises. Now, this doesn't mean that God's grace is conditional. Okay? God's grace is unconditional. Otherwise, it wouldn't be grace. Okay? But we need to understand, even in our Christian life, God's grace is unconditional. It's always there for us. It's always available to us. It's given to us through the person of Jesus Christ. But God's blessing okay, um, oftentimes is conditional. Okay? And we're not talking about salvifically. We're talking about in terms of um, the, the, the spiritual blessings that God promises us when we follow in faithfulness to him. Okay, so let me, let me try to give you some examples. The scriptures give all sorts of prescriptions about ways that we are to conduct ourselves in marriage or the way that we should handle our finances, or the way that we should parent our children, okay, or run our business. There's all sorts of principles and prescriptions, and what God is giving us there is a, is a vision for this is, this is how I want you to conduct yourself. Um, they're not absolute promises, okay, it's like Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old he will not depart from it. That's not a promise, it's a, it's a proverb. However, there, there is the expectation I think we have as God's people, and I think this is borne out in Scripture. I think it's borne out in this text, 
that when there is a pattern of obedience in our life, and I don't mean a pattern of perfection, there's no such thing, but when there is a pattern of obedience in our life, um, in other words, when we um, pursue the standards God has for us in marriage or parenting or finances or work or whatever, then, then there, is a, there is a framework God has given us that brings blessing, okay? And so um, there's instruction God gives us about, about how to instruct our kids, discipline our kids. If we're to completely ignore those, okay, and go about, um, you know, we, we, we neglect our children, okay, or we or we're, we're, we fall down in our duties and, and parenting them and, and disciplining them in the ways of the Lord. It's not that God's grace is conditional salvifically, but however, we can expect when we deviate outside of God's design for how we do things, um, there will be consequences. There will, there will be, um, we will experience life outside of the pattern a blessing that God has given us. We, we, we obviously see this in marriage. And so God commands faithfulness. God commands purity in marriage um, to be confined within the marriage when, when couples or people go outside the marriage, okay? Um, for those things, when they break their covenant, um, it doesn't mean that, that God's grace is forever forfeited for them, but it does mean that, they, that there's a consequence for that and that, that getting outside the pattern of obedience brings um, certain consequences and pain and suffering that God did not otherwise intend, okay, by the fact that he gave us certain law stipulations for how we are to conduct ourselves. And so, so I think that's the way that God is speaking to this, that, that there's a pattern of obedience he calls us to, and, we, and when we um, follow in it, okay, um, there is a, there's a general blessing um, not, not an immunity, okay, to the suffering of life, not at all. It's not, not again, not, not what it's talking about. That means there's going to be a pattern of blessing in our life when we're living in accordance to God's, to God's law. Now, there's, there, there's a couple of things that, that, are, that are obvious here that, that we can easily trip up on, and, and we don't have time to go too deep, but let me just say a couple of things. Um, when we read this passage, these passages in light in our 21st century context, and we hear about how God is going to wipe out the inhabitants of the land, um, we immediately assign things like capriciousness to God, or is this genocide, or is this ethnic cleansing? This sounds very Nazi-esque, and that's because we're looking at this from a human perspective, right? Um, oftentimes, we don't begin with seeing things from God's perspective. God and his holiness, God and his righteousness, okay? The fact that the peoples in this land are idolaters, they're worshiping false gods, okay? They are, um, they're, they're sort of arrayed against the righteousness of God. And God has been patient all these years, 400 years, right? Um, since, um, Ab since the descendants of Abraham, Jacob and his family left Israel, God has stayed his hand, okay, 400 years, waiting for these people to repent. They haven't. And now God is bringing righteous judgment upon them. And so the question is, why is not, is, should not be, why is God wiping them out? Okay. Um, as if somehow this is unfair, but it's, why is he preserving the Israelites? Okay. Because we're going to find that in many ways they are just as disobedient. Um, and even more so um, because they have the light of the knowledge of the truth of the glory of God.
And so that's one thing we want to say about this. Another we want to say is that this, in fact, is the most loving thing God can do for his people. Okay. Um, look at this promise in 33, or it's kind of a warning. Or verse 32 says, You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So in other words, what God is doing is really for the long-term blessing of the world. Because remember, he is going to begin with Israel. He's going to save Israel, redeem Israel, call Israel to himself, bring a Messiah from the nation of Israel that will go on to bless the world. So in other words, Israel was, was to be a light to the nations. However, um, if they were tolerating sin in their midst, and remember, um, it wasn't just sin outside the camp that God was intolerant of with these nations. It was sin inside the camp. It wasn't just sin outside the camp. It was also sin inside the camp. Because as we're going to see in Exodus, um, there is very, there's real discipline um, for the children of God as they too deviate. But remember, the, this is the most loving thing that God can do for the people of Israel because um, if they don't deal with these pagan nations and their idolatrous worship, it will become a snare to them. It will draw them away from God, which would be the worst thing okay, that could happen for them. Um, and in fact, we, we know that this is in fact exactly what happens, right? And, and so for us, thinking about our own context today, when God deals ruthlessly, what seems ruthlessly, okay, to us in our lives, um, he always has a grand design to, to root out the sin in our lives for our own souls and for our own sake. So what God does, God does for a reason, a sovereign reason, and that's to purify us. And so um, our 21st century ears, um, this, this text is not... Um, jive with that, right? But with, with our ideas of what God should be like and notions of spirituality, but in reality, um, we know that God loves us too much. Okay, so when we, we when to, to to just let us be, He has to use whatever means necessary to purify and cleanse us. And and so, if if we have problems with a passages like with a passage like this, it might be that um, we don't understand love in the same way God does or we don't understand the offensiveness of our sin in the way God does, or we think less of the holiness of God than God himself does. But, but let's pray, for folks, that God will correct our vision so that we can see that passages like this are a blessing to the people of God. Okay, that's Exodus 23. Tomorrow, Friday, we are, for our final devotional of the week, we're going to look at um, what happens in a, in a pretty bizarre passage when God confirms his covenant with the children of Israel. Um, you don't want to miss it. Um, let's pray. Lord, help us to see things from your perspective. Lord, help us to um, not be man-centered in the way that we think about your holiness and punishment and blessing and curse. Lord, help us to see them with you squarely in the middle of them. You've given us a pattern that we're to follow after. And while this does not make us immune from suffering or sin or the effects of the fall in this world, we do receive spiritual blessing from you when we follow hard after you. That's a promise you've given us, and we claim it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody.